2: You know, there was some there was some big news late last night into the early morning uh, in the Boston sports landscape. And I'm going to it brought a thought to to Scott's to Scott's mind uh, when he was when he was trying to count sheep last night. So I'm going to throw it to you, Scott, and uh, let you introduce what, what's uh what you've been thinking about the last 10, 12 hours.
0: Well, yeah, so obviously the big news is that uh, Xander Bogarts left the Red Sox and signed with the San Diego Padres. Um, and, you know, I'm our last episode we were talking about, about David Parson, and the fact that he's still not signed to an extension. And it's, it's just a reminder that like, if, if you let one of your guys get to the open market, anything can happen. Cause I think it seems that there was a good story in, uh, in the globe written by um, Julian McWilliams that it seems like Chaim bloom was like legitimately caught off guard that the Padres uh, Went to that number eleven years, two hundred eighty million for a thirty-year-old shortstop, but it's like, yeah, but you let them get to the open market, and that's what you risk. You risk one team just going above and beyond, and
1: or be, being I'm, straight up stupid, <laughs> like giving you a, a stupid deal that doesn't make sense financially for really anyone, including the Padres. So, like, you risk someone coming in and just for whatever reason deciding this is what they want to do. And and there's no way to counter an offer like that.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly. That's, and that's what happened. Like if you open the door for other teams to be able to negotiate, someone can do that. And you can say like, well, that's not reasonable or, you know, "It, it would be dumb to go that many years or whatever, but that's, Hey, you had, you know, all the time in the world to negotiate, uh, exclusively with the player yourself. Um, and look, obviously, hockey is different because no one can swoop in with an 11-year deal like the, you know, Bruins can offer eight to Pasternak, and no one else can offer more than seven. Um, there's also, you know, there's no 280 million-dollar deals in hockey. Like, very different sports. But it's like if the Bruins are sitting there thinking, well, 11 and a half, 12 million a year for Pasternak might be reasonable, but you know, we wouldn't really want to go more than that well, all it takes is one other team to swoop in free agency and say, you know what? We'll give them 13 and a half a year. We'll make them the, or, you know, maybe even more like we'll make them the highest paid forward in, in the league. It only takes one. So. Yeah.
1: And it could be like a very non fiscally responsible team. That's just like, I don't know. They they just, for whatever reason have cap space now, and they're going to have to figure it out down the line. You just never know. Like they could come out of left field and that, I'm. I had a very similar thought when I saw the the news this morning, which was first of all, wow, I guess I'm gonna have a bad day now, and <laughs> second of all, like this this is exactly what happens when you even even if it seems like they're close, like it seems like the Bruins and Pasternak are close, at least from what we hear, but if you even even up until what I heard this morning, which was even up until like. This was finally, like, Xander made his final decision. He was, like, still wanted to talk to the Red Sox and still wanted to be like, hey, this is the offer, guys. Like, uh, you still interested? Even if he does want to stay in Boston, it's hard to turn down a deal that just, like, doesn't make any sense. That's Like, it's in favor of you so much that it almost doesn't make sense.
2: Well, as it, as it pertains to the the comparison between baseball and hockey like Scott mentioned the the biggest the biggest difference between what the, what the Red Sox offered Bogarts and what you know the Padres and presumably two or three other teams in front of the Red Sox did was you know the difference was term um, AAV the Red Sox are right there and you know the term is something that the Bruins like Scott mentioned they have the advantage on Um but, you know, the sentiment that, you know, anything can happen in free agency is is, is very valid. Like, you know, um, yeah, uh, could uh, are there certain with the cap the way that it is, you know, uh, anybody trying to win a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years, probably because their roster is decent enough, they likely don't have, you know, um, the, the cap space really to to offer something stupid to Pashnak like 13 million or something but you never know and you know there, there's there's other reasons other intangibles that certain teams will will do this like say look look at the Arizona Coyotes for example right a team that nobody is even thinking about with when it comes to David Pashnak but you're talking about a team who might be trying to win, you know win over the good graces of of a fan base that has to watch them in albeit in a pretty cool environment and I'm looking forward to it on a,
1: uh I mean that is if Arizona stays in arizona and they don't sell it somewhere else
2: <laughs> right but like you know if you're the coyotes like you're, you're talking about a team that's playing in a college arena and they have a ton of cap space they're they're a basement dweller you know would they be willing to sign paschnack at a really high aav um from a marketing perspective to get a star and also banking on the these digital ads so that we have to endure every single goddamn and game? uh
1: you, you think pasta wants to play at a rink that's got Five thousand fans.
2: No, but I, no, but I, well, no, but I think that if they're if they're building a brand new arena and they offer them the most amount of money and the cap goes up in a couple of years because of all these digital ads, no, I don't think it would happen. I'm just saying to Scott's point, anything can happen, and and you know, it, it's it's you just don't want it to get there. Now, unfortunately, like like we've talked about, the it's not necessary for all we know it's not necessarily the Bruins that are going to take it that far like it the Bruins could offer him a lot um but you just and it could be it could be passion camp that, that that encourages him to take it to free agency so
1: exactly and and that's that's the thing that you like the Bru- that's why the Bruins are probably trying their hardest and I think have been throughout the off season to just put you know pen to paper and, and let the ink dry and and actually have it um, figured out because there's another comparison between the two players as well, which is that they're the, they were, they're like the faces, right? So Bogarts is the, was intended to be like the long-term face of the Red Sox. Pasternak is one of the most likable players in the NHL and somebody that most people in Boston recognize, even if they're not everyday Bruins fans. Um, so you're talking about two guys that you want to build your team around, that are also have a lot of value to other teams, so it's it's just like you can see the comparisons, and that's why it's unsettling, <laughs> and that's why it just brings the thought to your mind.
0: Yeah, and it, it I think it highlights like at the very least you have to make like a truly competitive offer if you really want to keep the guy, so that you don't have that regret. Because look, maybe the Red Sox are lying and they really never intended to to keep bogarts or you know sign him to a long-term deal but like based on like all the reporting their best offer was six years 160 million and it's like now they have to live with wondering like what if last spring training they offered bogarts eight years 210 like would that have gone and done and, and if they really are like devastated that they lost them like they have to live with that regret knowing that their best offer wasn't really competitive. So I guess, you know, to bring that to the Bruins, it's like, again, we don't know where they are now. We don't know what they've offered, but like if say the best offer they've made so far is eight years, 10 and a half million a year, which is a pretty solid offer. You know, I think would have been seen as a nice offer going into the year, but now with the season post having, I think, I think pretty much everyone's on the same page that like, Pasternak's going to get at least 11. Like that's a starting point. And it's probably going to be more than that if he keeps playing like this. So at some point, say as you get to towards the trade deadline, if you're the Bruins and you really want to keep Pasternak, like you're going to have to come in at uh, at least 11 and a half million a year or maybe go to 12. And like yeah, that might be stretching it a little further than you're comfortable with, but if you don't do that, then you're going to risk what the Sox just went through, which is he goes to free agency someone offers more and he, and he decides to take it and you have to, and then you you're left with that regret of like, damn, like what if we had offered a little more, a little earlier? So, um, you know, we don't know all the details of what's going on between the Bruins and pasta Maybe they have offered him, you know, eight by 11 and a half or 12 already. Um, but we haven't heard that reported. So, um, you know, I guess like the ultimate takeaway is just, if the Bruins really want to keep Paschnack at some point this season, probably by the trade deadline, like you're going to have to make real serious competitive offer that at least gets you, you know, very close to like what the number might end up being.
2: Yeah. And like, I think personally, I think that if it went to free agency and you know, somebody offered Paschnack, you know, a little bit higher of a higher AV, AAV than the Bruins do, and then you cancel out the extra, extra year the Bruins can offer and whatever that comes out to. I do think Pashnak would still probably stay in Boston depending on what how much of a difference it is. Because I I don't think he would, like, if, if the Bruins offered 11.5 and then one team offered him 12, but for a less year because they can only go to seven. Like, I don't think Pashnak would necessarily go just because it was technically higher. Like, I think there are intangibles that he would be like, all right, well. But your point, Scott, is that you don't want it to get to that point. Like, you want the Bruins, when they have exclusive negotiating rights, to get it done and um and yeah so you know we'll, we'll see how it plays out now did you guys happen to notice and, and also you know I guess my closing thought based off of what I said last episode like my gut is telling me he's going to stay here for all the reasons we talked about um you know future of the leadership core and you know carrying the torch that was passed to him um now did you guys happen to notice in the last behind the bead uh the uh, I forget. Actually, it was after the Bruinsby tampa it was Ber- Bergeron's one thousandth point. Do you happen to notice the, the guys kind of, you know, in jest, but maybe not so much in jest? Kind of uh, getting a one more year chant going. And I don't know. It's, it's 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 there. There are certain things you don't necessarily, I would say, joke about out of respect for like you know somebody's decision. And it's almost kind of like it's. Maybe, maybe like they know Bergeron might not be necessarily done after this year, and it, they felt they felt the green light to kind of joke about it. Maybe I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think like that's probably kind of a fair assessment. It's like the team's so close that like yeah, they they can and you know it. And he can Bergeron's be not going to be Bergeron's not going to be caught off guard by like guys saying hey, we want you to stay and not retire. Yeah. Um and to to your point, like I I don't think Bergeron has told anyone that this is his last year, and I don't I don't think he's even made that decision yet. So no, I don't um, think he's made
1: a decision yet either. Just like this yeah. previous offseason.
2: Well, if he were to stay another year, and 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 uh, somehow Pashnak finds oh, it out, it would be another incentive because it's another year with with Bergeron, right? So um, and that takes away one of the years that are in question as far as the future of the team and can they win if you know Bergeron's coming back next year if you're passionate well at least the first year of your next extension uh the team would still be uh for sure uh very competitive uh, i thought that was an interesting um tidbit you're right scott i guess i guess the the big takeaway is that he definitely one thing we know is that he definitely hasn't told his teammates that he's done and it, this is a uh yeah, this is a farewell tour under 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 the radar farewell tour um which is uh hey it's, it's it's for all we knew the team the team was was um leaving it out all on the ice every single night because they knew it was his last year for certain and uh no they're just that's just who they are they're working hard this year so it's not necessarily because it's Bergeron's last year did you guys have anything else before we uh you guys aren't traveling to uh, arizona state for the for the game are you
1: um i, no. I
2: wish but no
1: how, how much are tickets to that I I would imagine they are because there's such a low quantity that you have to pay a lot to get there. Weird.
2: Well, and they have a lot of seats. Not that they sold out 17,000 seats at at, uh, joebing.com arena, wherever the hell they played before. But, you know, you are are missing potential gate of, what, you know, 14 or 13,000 seats or whatever it is, 12,000 seats. So they got to make up for it somehow. I mean, I think the students get a discount, though.
0: Like and and I'm sure you're gonna have Bruins fans in Arizona, you know, battling for some of those tickets too. Like, look at at that crowd in Denver last night. There were a lot of Bruins fans there. What was
1: that? What was that Marshawn quote? Because Marshawn said something last year about like how the Coyotes like they have however many seats, but they still have to give away five, however many. He's like, you're still gonna give away five thousand tickets to fill it or something.
2: (laughs) Well, I you know last last night. Scott, to your point, like, look, are the, are the avalanche down some key guys? Yeah. But those tickets, you know, were purchased a long time ago. And you're talking about the defending Stanley cup champions and the entire lower bowl was, was black and gold. And the Bruins have had a traveling fan base for, you know, forever, but especially when, when, you know, when they're good, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know how many Bruins fans were traveling back in like 2006. But, um, my point is that's the Colorado avalanche, uh, I guarantee you, if there's 5,000 seats at Arizona State, I guarantee you 4,000 of them are going to be Bruins fans. Uh, it's just, you know, it's like it, it'll look like it'll look like the alumni game at Warrior Arena on 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 Saturday. Um, so it should be, it should, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, obviously when the news broke this summer, it was it's like from a from a quality perspective, you know, is it is it is it is it national league, you know, facilities, um, not what these guys are accustomed to, but. From a, and, and, and I was I was floored when I saw that it's three years that they're playing here for. It's not like a one year thing. Um, but I will say I was like I was very much looking forward to this game because I, I think it's gonna be very cool to watch the Bruins in this type of setting, um, very small college arena. Um, so I'm looking forward to to the broadcast for sure.
1: Okay, also, I think the quote was um, for I just found the Marshawn tweet. It says the only way to get five thousand fans at their games now is if they give four thousand five hundred away for free. <laughs> That's that was from January.
2: He's not wrong, or or, <laughs> or whoever the away team is, just have their fans travel.
1: Oh God! Also,
0: Friday night is is a Nessun game, so we get to hear Jack Edwards, whatever he's gonna have to say about it.
2: Oh, On I free. can't! I can't wait Try to, hear not Jack. to get
1: canceled, Jack. <laughs>
2: I can't wait to hear Jack for the you know 27th time this season just randomly, just just randomly yell "the bun's on fire" whatever the hell that is that he says. <laughs> I don't even know what he's saying, but it's just like I don't know. <laughs> this
1: is why I don't want to have a catchphrase for my broadcast. It's like, it's, it's, no. like,
2: it's not even. It's like a. But he's been broadcasting the Bruins games for 15 years, and I've never heard him say that until like last month, and he's just he just can't stop saying it. Freaking
1: um, always says can of corn, and it drives me absolutely nuts. Oh,
2: oh there's, there's a lot Humblin of tumbling Jack- muffin, oh, yeah.
1: muffin.
2: There's a lot of jackisms. Things but, uh,
1: you'll never hear me say on a broadcast. Coin,
2: coin that won't get tossed, rolling home to you. the, nope. the, the only the only thing that the only thing I, like about Jack, it's like obviously he was having a conversation last week for the maroon stuff. Um, <laughs> which oh, by the way, more more came out on that, and um, <laughs> so Pat Maroon did an interview with um, Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonnette on their, on their, uh, spit and shicklets podcast. And, um, I guess so. So in Fluto Shinzawa's athletic article, uh, he reached out to Jack for comment and, and Jack basically didn't, well, not basically there was no apology to Pat Maroon. Basically. He just said like, you know, it's a long broadcast and I got to fill the time with something. And then he's, and then, and then he said, um, and then he said, uh, I did reach out to the, to, to Tampa Bay for, to talk, to talk to Pat. And anyway, so on, on, the, on the, on Spit Ch- Sp- spitting chicklets podcast, um, they asked him or Pat Maroon brought that up. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, he did reach out to Tampa. Um, but my PR told me that basically he just said, here's my cell phone and my, and my email. If Pat wants to reach out to me, <laughs> And it's like, and, and he, Maroon was like, Maroon was, Maroon was like, <laughs> well why that wow he's like no like you should call me like i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like, go out of my way to call jack so i don't know like the, the whole the whole situation like look look i i'm not i'm not a cancel culture guy obviously i i definitely think jack was a uh you know i i think i think i think he it was just stupid because there was just no reason to go into that stuff and um you know, the other thing Maroon said was, like, it wasn't even about me. I think he said this in his, in a his statement. He's like, it's not even about me. It's about, like, you know, people like that that might be home watching it that are out of shape. And Jack's just kind of whatever. Look, the whole situation, have your own opinion on it. But the um,
1: – All I know is if I had said it, I'd probably be fired.
2: Well, the, it's just if like – If I said
1: it about, like, a college hockey player or – because I do men's and women's. Like, if it was, like, about a women's player, that would – I would be fired so fast.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, look, like, you just, there, there are certain things you just don't want to touch. Like, there's just no yeah. reason to go with It's It just so bizarre.
0: But, like, part of, like, when he was first doing it, part of me was like, I wonder if he has, like, some sort of relationship with Maroon or, like, maybe they talked the earlier day because the, like, the Nestle guys, like, do visit with the other team from time to time. And, um, you know, there are certain players either through one connection or another that, like, they actually know pretty well. So I was like, you know, maybe it's, like, kind of like a, you know, friendly. You know, like making fun of my friend type thing, or someone I know kind of well. But clearly not. Like clearly Cameroon no. is just like, who is like, what? Is, what is he doing? Like, yeah.
2: what the? No, uh, they've never spoken before. He said that. Um, he said that Stamkos came to him in the shower after the game, and and I guess I guess I guess some of the Lightning players saw it like during one of the intermissions because like I think one of the people were back,
1: tweeting it. People were huh? tweeting about yeah. people.
2: Well, their their equipment. I think their equipment guys, sorry, and they kind of told told the team, but the, the the players didn't tell Maroon because they didn't want to like set him off during the game. But then after the game, Stamkos told them and and whatever. I look, I just think it's funny that like <laughs> Jack doesn't even apologize and then he just tells Tampa, yeah, look, it's a long broadcast, but here's my number. If Maroon wants to call me, <laughs> it's like Jack. Wow, <laughs> like you're just so far off reality, but. I don't know. When it comes to Jack, it's just like all I tell myself is like when I watch the Bruins broadcast, it's just like, Jack, can you please just call the game? Like just like just there's a time and a place to like have conversation. Just call the game in front of you. And I don't want to I'm questioning going 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 here because I don't know if it's like you never know if there's like something going on behind the scenes. But his his diction and like his like his. His pace of 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 talking this year has just been like really robotic and slow, and like he's like like he he says everybody's name like it's ten syllables even when he said the name already a million times in the broadcast and like he's not talk like us three are talking like this like normal like he talks with with Jack normally too but like I mean with Brick but in the games lately it's just been like you know like an example would be Pasternak to korechi who moves it up to zaka it's like Pashnak moves it to creation to zaka like mm-hmm. why are you talking like that and i i, I didn't want to go here because maybe it could be something that like we don't know about but i would ha- find it hard to believe that he'd be on i don't know so look jack is a polarizing guy just call the game and and cut the bs please because you're one of a kind but it's not necessarily always <laughs> endearing so <laughs> It's a long season is my point. So just please I thought,
0: like I thought like the Vegas game, especially that third period as they're coming back. I thought Jack was good. Like it, it would you could tell he was kind of like raising, raising the level and like his you know, excitement level was voice was like going up. And, and it was like, I don't know, maybe he just needs like more good games, like more games close in the third period or something. Well, yeah, like, we all sound good know. when the game's good. Yeah, like-, it's, like maybe the maybe the key is like just you can't have like board jack. I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, he, I mean, like he's definitely look. He he he's. You listen to other broadcasts around the league, and there are so many play by play individuals who are just like really monotone and like there's just no energy and there's nothing. It's just like 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 I saw I saw a highlight of somebody on Twitter like said like the Colorado Avalanche broadcaster must be really mad because like they showed the Bruins goals against Colorado and Boston, and his his call was like you know whatever uh McAvoy to Zaka to McAvoy to Frederick score like you know it's like it's like it's there's just like nothing there it's very monotone and Jack obviously when he's when he's engaged and when he's you know keeping it between the lines he has a ton of passion and a ton of energy and it's great despite you want to be my
1: broadcast partner
2: I I could try well I'll try I'm not. I'm not good at. I. I. I don't know how I would be at play-by-play if you want to do the play-by-play, um, but I can certainly do color if you want. But, <laughs> you know, just don't. Just no. No Jackisms. But when Jack keeps it between the lines, he's really. And then, good. and
1: then Brian. Brian says that, and then he'll come on and make some like pun about like the kitchen sink or the cupboard or something, <laughs> and then I'll roll my eyes at you and turn your mic off.
2: Yeah, I. I, I don't. I. Don't, I, don't, I don't know how punny I would be on TV, but uh, in any event. Um, probably spoken enough about Jack. I don't even know how that, that came up, but regard. Oh, cause the Arizona.
1: You, you. <laughs> Well, no,
2: no, it was you. You brought up the, no, no actually I did. I I brought up Jack in okay. Arizona. All right. So we'll blame, we'll blame Scott. All right. Um, if you guys have anything else speak now, if forever ever hold your peace, but, uh, I think we're probably good to wrap this one up, right? Mm-hmm.
0: We didn't touch on it, but Tage Thompson on the Sabres scored five goals last night. Oh my God. Insane.
2: The, the 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 Sabres were up six nothing after the first period, almost seven nothing. It's like by the way, old, shit. old
0: friend Sean Correlli took four penalties in the first period. That that, that didn't help
2: matters.
1: No, it Man. did not.
2: That's that's I don't know how the hell you, you let yourself go down six to nothing in the first period to anybody.
1: I think you just chalked that one up as an L. You're well, like, All right, well, can we go home now?
2: Yeah, yeah well. Columbus has taken a lot of Ls this year. That Talk about yeah. a team that's just like, there's nothing there. I mean, you bring in Goudreau and Line. A. I mean, Line a was, you know, going... He was trading trading uppercuts with Matthews for the first couple of years of their career. Um, and he's just fallen off a cliff. And and Johnny Goudreau is just kind of like, uh. I mean, obviously he's you know, crazy talented, but, you know, by himself, I don't know how effective he is in this league anymore. Or at least on Columbus, I don't know. But yeah, they're struggling, so
0: they don't, they don't play defense. Like that's a team that like, you know, obviously they're a few years removed from it now, but like they miss having a leader like Nick Felino, like someone who will set the tone like that. They, there's just, there's no leadership there that they don't play defense. It's, you know, Gaudreau and in line. It's like, those are guys who, who want to score and play offense, but like they're not setting any sort of tone or any sort of foundation. Just, just a mess. Like, I, I didn't have them making the playoffs, but they were one of those teams that you know we thought might potentially be able to like push. Um, you know, turns out a it teams was the Devils
1: the... instead of <laughs>
0: yeah, the the Devils and and the Red Wings are hanging around. Like they're they're a team that's kind of made that jump and closed that gap. Yeah. Um, and, and the Islanders and it's you know maybe we can do this more on on another pod because we've already run, run too long, but. It is exciting that we seem to have actual playoff races this year. Like, I feel like last year, by this point, we already know, we already knew the eight teams that were going to make it in the East. Yep. And this year, you know, there's at least like 10, 10, 11 teams that are all kind of there.
2: Well, even in the Atlantic, like, you know, I think, uh, I think, you know, obviously Boston and Toronto will be there. Um, Tampa will be there at the end, but you know, that, that, fo- that wild card spot, that fourth spot, um, yeah, I mean, like you already mentioned it, but like Detroit's hanging around, Montreal's hanging around, Florida's like not that great. I mean, they're okay. Um, big drop off out in the Metro. Washington, I think Washington has like what ten wins this year or something like that. Like they've had injuries, but
0: yeah, they're twelve, 12 and four. They're four points behind the Islanders
2: for fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So there will be a lot of uh, a lot of playoff races. Um, so yeah. Definitely, definitely topic of conversation going forward and throughout the year. We'll keep, we'll keep those in mind. And, you know, there's some good scoring races too. Like, I don't know if anybody had, you know, Jason Robertson trading blows with McDavid all year. i mean, obviously you know, really good player, young player broke out in the scene last year uh, with like 70 something points, but uh, he's, he's quite the story too. So uh, a lot, a lot to keep. Uh, It's not very, it's not monotonous. It's not the same old, same old. Yeah. McDavid's still up there and yeah, there's some top teams, but uh, the parody is kind of showing this year. So. It's uh, it's fun to follow. That said, uh, we're gonna wrap this one up now, and we're gonna follow the uh, we're gonna follow the Bruins in Arizona on Friday, and then uh, I think we'll be back on Sunday after the game against Vegas, the rematch against Vegas. Which um, if if Vegas is wearing their gold uniforms, uh, that might be a pretty ugly uniform matchup. That's gonna be not a sight for for sore eyes. You got gold gold jerseys, like li- literal gold jerseys. And then you know the Bruins have black and yellow, which it's not really a great contrast, but hopefully they go with their grays or something like that. So anyway, thank you all for listening. That was a quick fashion segment, Bridget. Uh that's
1: really quick. Got in and out. That was like
2: that was like a, that was, like a that was like a toll booth fashion segment. Um <laughs> thank you guys for listening and we will talk soon.